It's Just Business with Steve Thomas and your host, Chris Larry. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's Just Business on the Hogstye Network, the show where we look at the dollars and cents of the sports media business industrial complex which uh, we now sit in uh, the pre-Super Bowl weekend, you know, the sports media business annual Bacchanal uh, this this year held in, and, uh, you know, at least was a, at one point thought of as the, uh, you know, Bacchanal capital or one of them of the world, maybe not as much anymore, Las Vegas. So, uh, yeah, lots going on. And we're going to do it. We're going to get this one out. So you're hopefully maybe listening to this. Uh, before kickoff on Super Bowl to sort of stay relevant and not be stale on delivery. But how are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing all right, man. How about you? What's going on? Not much. You know, I I've, love Super Bowl weekend. I'm looking forward to, to Have you I'm made a lot of tomorrow. wagers on the game or anything? No, not as of yet. I, I know what I, I think I have my plan. I'm still, I'm still living off of a my earnings on DraftKings from a super bowl three years ago so now i might really? find yes i might i i put that money in one sum and i flipped it forward for three years this may be i think i'm going to let all ride which I, you know it's like 32 dollars at this point but i i have not put in a cent in three years i might let all of it ride on the chiefs then just you know just see where see where it lands that's a tough one man i mean I, my official prediction was the chiefs because i had that i was forced to on the other show to make a prediction it's a really really close game uh, yeah i think this is one of the closer games we've ever had in, in recent era at least yeah which i think speaks to a chief's bet because as the slight underdog a close game benefits them but Here's the thing that has me, you know, I probably won't do it till like an hour and a half before kickoff. I usually wait. But there's so much action on the Chiefs. It almost makes me, it makes me now, like, it makes me nervous. It's almost too much conventional wisdom. On if the there's Chiefs that now. much action on the Chiefs, why is why are the uh, odds Niners minus two? Weren't, yeah, I'm not quite th- sure. It's it's There's some weirdness here because the line hasn't moved, but like, the conventional, I don't know. There, there's some strangeness. It'll be kind of fun to watch from that angle how it plays out. Yeah, I'm not a better, you know, but I got somebody talked me into squares this year. So I have a few dollars on on squares, which is a ton, you know, a total game of chance. I don't even like doing that, but and but and, uh, and oh, this is a good one. I, I talk about this on the hog side too, but um, so there was someone I work with who is convinced that taylor swift is going to play with usher at the halftime show and i was like listen that's just not a thing you know that's not gonna it's not gonna be a thing and this is not a swifty this is someone who's not in that generation anything she's older than you and i and and it's a, uh, fun, it's a fun prediction right like as a you know like a hail mary prediction no but she was willing to bet put lay down a bet oh, on that's in, that's insane that's insane so now if, i've got lunch at a nice restaurant bet you know on Taylor, whether or not Taylor Swift will appear at the Super Bowl. And I said, listen, I don't want to take your money, but you're the one that offered this. You know, I'm happy to take a lunch, you know, from you for this. No, I'm I'm she's she's gonna do it. Okay. 
No. Well, enjoy your lunch, Steve, because exactly. I, I think there's 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 no way. Although I did say when um when the Chiefs won the the AFC Championship game, I did say the I think I told my brothers or a few other people I was uh, texting with it. The the biggest loser of that day was Usher, because it totally you know I don't think she's <laughs> going to show up, but it totally over from a musical it totally makes him an afterthought. Even the like people who think she's going to show up, like there's no reality and that happens, but. Even just that out there in the ether kind of hamstrings his performance. Well, yeah, I mean, and Usher was washed up in the first place. Yeah, okay? I, didn't, I didn't quite quite get that one. Yeah. Well, if you've relevant. noticed, the Jay Z era of Super Bowl planning has had a string of washed up pop and R and B acts. If you've noticed this, which kind of fits with Jay Z being a washed up rapper. Yeah, you know. It also fits that you know generally they were just washed up classic rock acts often yeah. too so hold on a, wait a, hold on a minute you're gonna sit there and look at me and call tom petty a washed up oh, oh no, 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 I'm offended. no no i would not have put tom petty in that list i, I would argue tom petty was relevant at that time but like uh, the who with two of its living members <laughs> in whatever the early 2000s and i love the who but you could make the case that that was washed up you know i was a bit disappointed the one i was a bit disappointed in that i thought i would love was the stones I, yeah, I thought I the mean, Stones played a weird song. I can't remember which what they played. They played one that was a bit off the beaten path, and they looked like they were kind of going through the motions. And I thought, man, you guys are the Rolling Stones. What are you doing? Uh, you know? No, when we had Tom Petty and Prince within like about a three or four year stretch, like that's the nexus of megastar not yet washed up. Well, right? Springsteen was in there too, remember? Yeah, he was a little long in the tooth, but I'll, I'll even give you that one. But, yeah. wa but washed up, I mean, it's a funny thing is, you know, I, and Steve, I, I won't put words in your mouth, but you're probably old enough to remember this as well. That this, I mean, I, I can remember multiple Super Bowls where you watched up with people choral group at halftime. Yeah, when we like, were little kids. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't, it, was, it wasn't even pop music at all. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing why can't we get a little bit of diversity in the Super Bowl halftime show? I know why it's because it's Jay Z, but. I, I like, for example, I'm not a country fan. I don't think you're a country fan either, particularly. But is there some reason why they couldn't put like Keith Urban up there, or you know, or pick your country star like Dolly Parton at the that Dallas Cowboy playoff game? She was great in the halftime. It's not my thing. It's not your thing, as far as I know. But that would be a great halftime show. You know, is there some reason why you couldn't put like some kind of like I don't know a jazz trio up there? Maybe, maybe that's a well, bit too not subtle. They don't maybe want to that's, put everybody to sleep. Well, maybe, but <laughs> you know, you, could you you could get like a Broadway show up there to do something? Uh, you know, you, you could you put Metallica up there one year. There's not Metallica's a touring stadium act. Uh, there's a whole lot of things in a lot of genres. Instead, we're stuck with rappers and R and B guys, and I, you know, I just don't get it. Well, I mean that 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 is the dominant. I, the you I the you will see a pop. I about you know listening public. I actually am a pretty giant country music fan, but not. Oh, I didn't realize you were a country not music fan. Whatever okay. pop country is, but traditional. Would, you like traditional country music, yeah. Oh, classic okay. country, whatever. Um, but I would predict you probably even with a Jay Z running things. I predict you'll probably see a pop country megastar within the next three years. I he's shown no indication of it. Um, yeah, but you know, that how that, about ACDC? You know, think about that, that'd that, be on. great. There's one living member of ACDC, no, there's two. Brian Johnson oh, okay. is a legitimate vested member of ACDC. 
He's can also, he, by the way, can he sing though? I mean, controversial a, opinion. He's better than Bon Scott ever was. That is that is quite controversial. But uh, they're about to tour. By the way, if you with guys have him been, or with a guest singer, no, with guy. him. So, uh, um, I this is courtesy of Eddie Trunk. Okay, I listen to Eddie Trunk in, in the mornings and stuff. I mean, he's on Sirius XM during the day, but I listen in the morning. Anyway, and ACDC apparently has a countdown clock on their website that expires at midnight on Sunday night, meaning Monday morning. And so the thought process, they're going to announce a tour, according to Eddie Trunk, with Brian Johnson and Angus Young and then two other guys, basically. Listen, I love ACDC. No ill will towards ACDC. But to say that in 2024 or 2025, they wouldn't be considered washed up is a stretch. Oh, come on. It hurts my soul to hear it's you say stretch. that. Okay, I, we get old, Steve. That's I'm not. You know, I I, I I can't fight. I can't fight Father Time. I have never seen ACDC in concert. I will move heaven and earth to go see ACDC before they die, which might oh, happen soon. <laughs> it's a little bit different to go to the Houston Coliseum or whatever and the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would go. I would go see them they, at Madison Square Garden. You realize they have one of the maybe the top five best selling albums of all time, right? Yeah. You know this. I, I am not here to disparage ACDC. I'm just <laughs> pointing out a harsh reality of the world we live in in If you can put J-Lo on the halftime show, can't you put ACDC also? I would argue, especially after just watching her pretty horrendous Saturday Night Live appearance this past weekend. Yes, I would consider J-Lo washed up. I would, I would put her in that camp. I don't think she was and ever was. You have to fall down from something to be washed up. What did she ever oh, no. do? She in... had mega. She had mega hits. Steve. You could not Name like one. them, but oh, but there's a, yes, a Jenny around the block, and there's a. I'm not going to. Oh, go please. I, you cannot like it. Doesn't mean it, it didn't sell. It, did it really though? And, and once yes. one song does not a career make. She's an actress dabbling in producer made music. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. In fact, I think she actually harmed her career because she's a much more talented actress than she is. Yes, uh, I don't not singer. disparaging her acting abilities. Yes, but I, I've already called her washed up. Um, I'm, I'm just saying, saying she like, was and never was. That That's all I'm saying. You well, have to have a career to be washed up from. The, she had it from a sales perspective enough that she's had in two to three hits. Uh, we're going to have to fight over this. That's a, But at a later day, but we're going to have to rumble over this one. Just, It'll be the sad. Jennifer J. Lowe versus ACDC Royal Rumble. I, I am on <laughs> ACDC's side. I'm simply pointing out that from a billboard perspective, yes, she had a few. You're, not, you're telling me that wouldn't be freaking awesome to have them at the halftime show? Is it 1989, Steve? No, it is 2024. And would it not be freaking awesome to see them up there playing back in black at the halftime show? Come on. I don't know. Come Steve, with I me. It, that's got to be better than Usher the, for Christ's sake. The the, cru the, the crutches and, and wheelchair set. <laughs> he said, "Are you going to discriminate based on age?" Yes, they're senior citizens. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll own it. Um, uh, age matters. Um, I, I I'm on record as saying the same thing about Usher. By the way, as soon as they announced it, I said this makes no sense in. 2024 so nope. i'm on record as saying all of these things to me feel out of date well at least we agree on that point um all right so there you go so hopefully you're listening to this before you can judge if, if he comes out and crushes it and 
you know, is is Steve going to have to buy the soup and soup and half sandwich uh, special down at the uh, at the lunch counter? Oh, it's going to be better lunch than that. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, I will be laughing mightily if if Taylor walks out at halftime. I watched me lose. <laughs> I know after I was so adamant about watching me lose. <laughs> I mean, it's not impossible. Um, it highly improbable. She's the uh, usher is not going to want to have her show him up either on his own. No, that's why I said the biggest yeah. loser when she would be usher. was usher. Right. Um, so, all right. So Super Bowl, lots of things swirling. But, you know, if we look for themes in our show over time, you know, and we've been doing this. It's like our 176 show for Pete's sake. Um, we've charted, you know, it's so interesting, Steve. We've been doing this show so long that there's like the before times world. And we remember a before times world where, you know, gambling just isn't this central and we aren't celebrating our nation's chief bacchanal, the Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas. And just how integrated, normal, matter of fact, not actually that interesting it actually is here. Talk about out of date. Well, we did a story on that Supreme Court opinion that right. said that states couldn't ban gambling. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> I totally. Mean, look how far look how far we've come. So obviously, the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas, and and um, I think one of the big angles and and CNBC probably has uh, has a great story on this. And it's about how far Las Vegas has come and how far the NFL has come to go from a league in which they gambling was considered, uh, you know, sacrosanct, meaning you don't touch it, to and, and we're having no professional sports in Las Vegas at all, to having almost every major sports league has a plan to have a team in Las Vegas. I think the NBA is now the only one who does not. But and they've done the soon to be rectified, I'm sure. Yeah, and they've done the draft there, and uh, you know, like the the NBA combine, all kinds of stuff. But the NFL in particular has gone from zero to a hundred on this. And so, um, one story here is CNBC by Natalie Rice. Las Vegas has invested billions in sports. Question is, will it pay off? This is published February eighth on CNBC, as I said. Um, Now, you know, it mentions here that. They've put, you know, $2.3 billion into the F1, the Formula One race we talked about here. Um, they built um, uh, Allegiant Stadium. That's $2 billion, 65,000 people. Um, and, and Allegiant Stadium, according to this column, has done fabulously in entertainment, too. They've had all kinds of uh, events, uh, you know, at this thing like 50 a year. Which is a lot, you know. What recall that I think Dan Snyder and Jason Wright said something about 200 events a year at the hypothetical Redskins Stadium, <laughs> which is crazy and ridiculous. This is more along Allegiant Stadium is going to get all of them, and they've got 50. So just bear that in mind. Um, but it says they've it's brought 1.52 million visitors into the area alone in um, 2023. And that's on top of the visitors who are already there. So NFL, though, um, if you think back and then to where we are now, you know, now the NFL is embracing um, its relationship with Las Vegas and with gambling. And I mean, it opens up a bunch of questions to to me and it opened it opens the NFL up to an argument that the game is 
not as above board as it used to be. I'm not suggesting it isn't. I'm saying they're opening themselves up to the argument. Oh, 100%. 100% that they opened up themselves to the argument. I think, but at this point, everyone has made the calculated risk assessment that they're, you know, it's like a store. You're willing to accept whatever, 10% of theft or whatever, right? Like, you know, you know, if you can keep it within an, a range of norm, then that's part of your risk assessment of how much scandal or fallout, right? Like, that's just, they know by going this deep into it that some of that will happen. Um, it's just a matter of course now, right? It's, 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 it's sort of non-remarkable. It's like we, if you kind of take a pause and think about it and think about how far we've come in a short amount of time, I mean, I think that Supreme Court ruling is what, four years old? Something, Something like that. that yeah. Three yeah. years, maybe. Yeah. So, and you just say, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fast pace for something that previously was in place for decades and decades, right? Um, I was just, there's a casino near, uh, my place in the Catskills and I needed to go there basically to use her shower because I want to take a warm shower. So I paid for their pool pass. Um, and I didn't even realize this. There's a full sports book in there, full sports book, you know, bar TVs, the tickets, you know, the counter, the whole nine, like it surprised me. Uh, it doesn't surprise me either. But it was sort of like sitting there looking at it was just, you know, the construction, the capital project, everything to get to where four or five years ago, that was impossible. Right. You went to Vegas to do that. Even past right, where there be casinos, sports books, sports gambling was even in that world was still pretty much regulated to Las Vegas. And now, you know, everywhere. Now, do you want to tell the audience why you were homeless to the point you needed to take a shower in a casino? Because <laughs> yeah, I had no hot that water. Out? I had no hot water. <laughs> I was just yeah. curious. I mean, uh, did you no, lose your job? Are you under a bridge now? What? <laughs> Although I did have that kind of self-reflection as I walked in. I hadn't showered. I was in my full bearded mountain man look. And as I walked into this pseudo shishi spa at the casino and said, uh, you know, I think I said, do you have a toothbrush or something like that? Like they must have <laughs> said, has this guy, I, I figured, did they think that this guy scrounged together the $40 to take his monthly shower or whatever? So <laughs> I was like, no, I'm a legitimate person. Um, so, <laughs> it's I, I, did, I did have that moment of reflection. Yes. Uh, but I, I, seen, I could appear homeless. Um, <laughs> well, so uh, it, the, the same CNBC site had a video interview with the CEO of DraftKings. Um, this week, and I can't remember his name to be honest, and I don't want to hit play to figure it out here during the show. But um, he was talking about the impact of the Super Bowl on DraftKings and how that it's their biggest day of the year by far. Um, but one thing I didn't realize is they don't even have a gambling license in in Nevada, DraftKings. Which blew my mind. How can DraftKings not even have a license to operate in Nevada? They don't have any hard facility, you know, um, sportsbook facility in Nevada at all. It's I guess it's just online. But but again, like DraftKings is what maybe ten years old. Do you think something like that? It started out as a fantasy football site, and it's become I don't quote me on the numbers, but one of the biggest betting sports betting operations in, in the world. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, I would guess. But they're, they're sponsors. Jason, Jason Robbins, by the way, is the CEO. Okay, there you go. Jason Robbins. But but point is, it's gone from the point where 
the NFL is afraid of all gambling because of the the potential possible perception that the game is corrupt to having a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, having DraftKings as a major NFL sponsor, having bet the the it's the biggest betting day of the year. And there's even rules. I saw rules for, you know, what players can and can't do in Vegas. And, uh, you know, they can bet, but they can't do it in a team facility. I mean, there's rules like that to where they've compromised their rules to accept the reality that gambling is way, way, for whether you like it or not, way, way, way more ingrained in our society than it ever was. Uh, yeah, or at least it's a knowledge thing rather than a back back yeah right back it's not in the thing. back of somebody's you know and listen i mean i'm fine with it uh, you know okay i mean mr conservative here on the show but you do you people uh, you know if you want to spend your money on it you know that's what freedom's all about i just find it interesting that how far we've come in even a decade yeah totally i i, I don't disagree with that at all i'd say even even five years and this are the cnbc article you know says you know about vegas and their kind of bet on this sports and kind of expanded image really is it worth it and quite frankly there's not anything in the article with that that article that would suggest that it hasn't been um no that was the theme of the article i, yeah. I you know that it's paid <laughs> off and and think about you know the 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 City planners for Vegas have been geniuses. They've allowed the the sphere the sphere to be built. The sphere, which has been revolutionary, I've not been there. I knew someone who did go, um, but it's been revolutionary in their presentation of live entertainment in that place. Uh, to having the Super Bowl in the same year, the city has to allow all this stuff. Yes, there's developers that put it out, but the city plant. Believe me, the city's intimately involved, and you know they had a massive F1 event. They had the sphere open. Now they have the Super Bowl. It is Las Vegas's world this year, and we're all just living in it. And where I think, yeah, I agree. Like you know, town elders, you know, plan these things a decades out, right? This is this is this is longitudinal planning. But one thing I think that was real, they were really prescient about is they knew that their kind of brand and hold on Sin City was going to be withered away right like they had they had to reinvent themselves so like if six years ago the only place that you could legally put a bet on sports was there but now it's everywhere and you can say casinos and gambling at large they knew that there if that was the only thing that they were known for then they would just become one of one of many and so you know but they also knew they couldn't completely change their identity so like the full embrace and again the sphere is a great non-sports example their full embrace of entertainment mecca, diversify those things, expand. They leveraged the parts of their reputation they wanted to carry forward. The reality of their reputation is still there. It's not you can't do that thing, but they don't have to be known for just that in a world where you can do that from your phone. Well, they used to just be known for the place you could go to gamble and then get involved in some seedy adult entertainment, possibly, you know, and there were some like collateral shows associated with that and if you notice what las vegas has done is they're not branding themselves as the gambling capital of the world like they were kind of unintentionally known for now they're the entertainment capital of the world and it's all they're not they're almost minimizing the gambling aspect of it you know because they really want I, I think what they're trying to do is grow the market to allow families to come and enjoy the las vegas because they don't talk about really gambling that much anymore 
it's entertainment. It's, you know, this event, it's a sphere and it's the, this and that, that, um, it's not, you know, come play poker anymore. And that's what it used to be or come play poker and hire a prostitute on the street, you, you know, which is what, it, what it used to be. Um, and, and so I, I do think it's, it's some pretty, um, quality planning by, by people are taking a long-term look at things. Because like you said, with that Supreme court opinion that came out, if it had just been gambling, that's going to be all over and Las Vegas would have lost its influence. But instead, they've set themselves up for a generation. One kind of weird counterintuitive metric for this success that I picked up this week, you know, you, you know, a lot of if you consume sports media content, obviously, this is the big theme this week is Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a lot of people, whether it's Radio Row, or whatever, different people being down there, ex-players, media members, et cetera. And so there's always the question is like, oh, how insane is it in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl? And most people are like, that's pretty normal. You know, like, pretty, you know, these are people that have been to many Super Bowls. It's pretty much like any giant city hosts a Super Bowl. Like they hit their beats and there's the parties and the, the yada yadas and all that stuff. But it felt like this could have been L.A. or could have been, you know, Miami or any of these places that sort of, have you know, host them semi-regularly. And that's kind of success metric for Vegas, right? Like, because people are like, oh, the, the combination of Vegas and the Super Bowl must just be insane. Like, no, actually, it's just kind of like par for the course, which kind of is a way cements them as legitimate. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Have you ever been in a Super Bowl city during the Super Bowl? I mean, I guess technically, yes, because I was living in New York City when the one New York. Oh, you did. OK, so you've seen a little seen it to a certain extent then. Yeah, but considering the game is out in New Jersey and you can exist in New York City and not be in Manhattan and not it won't uh, it, 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 no part of your life is is different. So I represented a Super Bowl host committee and in, in in the city. And so I have seen all of that firsthand and just so people understand how this works for those of you who aren't involved in this world. Um the Super Bowl they're planning these things years in advance. There's a guy at the NFL, Jim Steig was the guy I dealt with. He's retired now, but he, there's a Mr. Super Bowl guy and his job, whole sole job is to do, and he's doing them like five years in advance, uh, you know, and there's, and there's local teams that plan this. But when you get to the Super Bowl week, it really starts the week before with a few events and stuff. But once you get to about Tuesday uh, before the Super Bowl, um, it's a major, major corporate sponsor thing you know and so there are all these events going on every night even during the day all of this leading up to the game the game is almost the denouement of the event because it's everything kind of ends and then the game happens a lot of people come in to do the sponsor stuff and then leave before they even get to the game and and that is so a city when you're in it the city really changes for the people who are involved in it and all and what i what i what you're saying is a good point which is las vegas could pull that off and look like just a normal super bowl city that is a win for las vegas because Las Vegas has a potential to go horribly wrong, you know, are, are like, are they flying in hookers from, you know, from Paris? I mean, you know, I don't know, probably, but point is it didn't turn into that. It was just been just a regular Super Bowl week. And I think that's a win. And I think that's what you were saying, basically. Yeah, they, if they can escape without, you know, player D, DUIs or some like. Yeah, this, the, the, the safety for the Chiefs got 
busted with eight prostitutes and you know in a drug den or so i mean none of that has happened to so far in fact the biggest example of it not being ready is actually strangely this issue about the disparate uh, disparity between the practice locations you know if you've been following this story mm. so no. the chiefs are at the raiders practice facility which is brand new right and i'm sure it's great that everyone says it's great it's new blah 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 the 49ers are out at UNLV's trashy football facilities. Not, I mean, you know, like you can, I mean, they're mid, not even mid-level college football program, like lower tier. So you can imagine the difference between the Raiders brand new NFL facilities and UNLV's, you know, also ran third place, fourth place, 15th place finisher. This is pretty football. normal though. The one I, the one I worked had the same problem. It's like one of the teams was in the local NFL teams facilities and the other team was somewhere else. And I mean, that is, they, they only in New York and New Jersey or San Francisco, can you not have that problem? Right. So that, but though LA. That, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. If you want to track the bizarre conspiracy theories about the outcome of the Super Bowl, the fact that San Francisco is stuck at the worst facility. <laughs> and did you hear this too? Got a middle of the night, a fake fire alarm pull. No, but that's happened. That kind of thing's happened before. I know, though. but I'm just saying, if you're looking, you know, like it's just kind of funny that like the NFL is already kind of battling some of these like rigged things, and the 49ers are totally got the narrative of the like we were the ones that were put out. I, I did read. I thought that for, see, usually how it works is they will put these teams in one hotel um, for the first like six or seven days, and then like Friday, they'll move them to another hotel to, you know, like pre right pregame. And I think usually they're separate hotels, but I guess they were in the same hotel at, say, at the same resort, you oh, know, really? in the early, yeah, in the early part of the week. Yeah. That's that is pretty weird. Yeah. Um, so the other thing we get, you know, every Super Bowl time is we get a little bit of a uh, Roger Goodell, um, you know, speaking publicly. Um and he spoke a lot about gambling. That was a big theme, obviously, similar to what we're talking about. Um, let's pick out a few little newsy things about the press conference, or at least some of the things the NFL has announced this week. Um, one, you mentioned this already, Steve, and he reiterated it. And there's a good athletic article that reiterates it. There's pretty lockdown rules for the players, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll show my small C conservative uh um i knew you, you'd come i knew you'd come around i said small c uh <laughs> in that in that i this idea that this is some kind of unfairness to these players that they have their gambling restricted to this degree i find laughable of course of of course you're going to be on on lockdown you're all responsible for not strangling the golden goose like so um and these people that sit on the side of that, you know, they should be allowed to gamble too. I just find insane, but they, um, but they are, they are pretty locked down. I think for all of the the right reasons, including like even limiting, like even just their, you know, like, you know, Baccarat playing or whatever, you know, like, you know, roulette playing uh, is pretty locked down, but I, I have zero sympathy for an active NFL player having to follow those gambling rules. Oh yeah. Boo-hoo. Uh, you know, listen, I mean, there's, you know, Chris and I come around a little bit. We're diametrically opposed on a lot of views. We come around a little bit on individual freedoms and, and I get it, you know, but in this case, we're talking about very highly paid 
uh, professional athletes in the biggest event of the world and in a league that is doing everything to desperately um, keep away from desperately keep people from thinking that the league is corrupt with gambling and so then you're going to cry about having players that by the way are going to have three months off here with nothing to do from gambling a little bit uh you know from being able to gamble for you know 10 days in las vegas that you know the smallest world's smallest violin is playing for them about this they want to gamble they can gamble to their heart's content from um uh, you know uh February 12th through the end of July and they'll be fine. So no, I have no sympathy for that at all. That's ridiculous. But the, the rules, we don't have, I don't have them in front of me, but um, you, you saw the same thing I did, Chris, but it was very specific. Okay. They're very specific. If you can find them, you know, let's, let's hear them. Cause it was very specific. Well, Okay, well, two, well, well, the two, the two okay. members, the Chiefs and the 49ers are prohibited from participating in any form of gambling, including casino games, on betting on any sport. So, so that's not even that's not even. Um, but they, but there, there were some rules about they can't go into casino. They they can go through a sports book if they're trying to get to another place in the building. They can't yes, go into. Yeah, they can't play casino games while they're there. And again, I mean, cry me a river over this. I promise they'll be fine. They can roll in their millions and go gamble any other time of the year. So boohoo. I right. agree there. You, you know how is it, you know, they have a guaranteed way to win millions of dollars. You know what that is? Behave the themselves for three days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're guaranteed to win. You know? I mean, think about it. This is a work trip. You know, we've all been on work trips. Chris goes on a lot of them, me a lot less than Chris, but you're working during this week. You can't just go goof off. No. You know, I realize some people, probably the younger set who, you know, the college kids who haven't lived a professional life yet, you know, every trip you go on is a big party, but that's not what the reality. I got news for you. You know, when you're working, you're working. You know, yeah, you'll have a couple hours off in the evening or whatever, but you've got to work and you can't just go rage all night long in Las Vegas and be ready to play a football game. Know the boundaries and you'll have a good time. Um, yes. Another interesting thing that, but but out. go back to the the Goodell presser though. Oh, I am. Okay, go ahead. Um, one other little like newsy bit, and then we'll talk about like how the presser kind of created some newsy bits in and of itself. But I did laugh about this idea that you know Goodell attacks this. I I know he was asked a question, but you still don't need to attack the straw man quite so vigorously about this idea that the Super Bowl would be going to to streaming, you know, and he, you know, does the kind of pound the podium, not under my watch, you know, will the Super Bowl go to streaming only? And it's like, dude, duh, you know, like, like. yeah, it was a bad thought. It was a bit of an odd reaction. I mean, obviously the NFL is, is going to put the Super Bowl in streaming only because they have massive, humongous ratings on network television. It's the, is they, the most watched television programs of all time is the, Season finale, the series finale of MASH, and then all the Super Bowls. Those and they are... already have their cake and eat it too. It's already streaming and broadcast. Like, what, yeah, that's why what I'm want saying. To give anything back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and these <laughs> networks are paying literally billions of dollars to be able to broadcast it. It's and so all he all he needed to say was no. I mean, we're you know we're happy with what it is. You know, there's you know the networks have the rights to them. The end. It's not like we're asking him to compromise his principles and. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not buying an electric vehicle. I hate those damn things. And, you know, we're talking about 
common sense here. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a kind of a strange reaction. Not on he literally the quote is something like "not on my watch." Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of also silly. by the time that's even yes, eventually that probably happens because there won't be broadcast. It's not because they won't put it on something that's called broadcast. And guess what? Goodell's long past retired, if not dead. So like this. <laughs> okay, so I found the story. So this is Bleacher Report. Um, NFL's Roger Goodell rejects idea of streaming only Super Bowl. Rejects. Yeah. Tyler Conway, February 6th. And the quote was, certainly not in my time. This from the story. Um, one of the secrets of our success is we are really committed to broadcast television. 90% of our games are on broadcast television. I think it's the reason why you will see over 200 million people watch this game here in the United States because it's on broadcast television in the broadest possible platform. Uh, we'll see the Super Bowl continue to be on the broadest possible platform. And I think we'll continue to see the NFL on the broadcast in the broadest possible. You notice how I keep saying broadest and broadcast over and over and over again. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it, This may be one thing that we're it comes across as a little bit more harsh on in the print than it did live. Cause I haven't seen the video of this, but it seems like a bit in, in a bit of an overreaction, but if you put it in context, it may be just Roger being Roger a little bit. But yeah, that's probably. And also, you know, so that also is a kind of an interesting part here is that we saw and heard less of Roger this year because, you know, his annual, you know, press conference, you know, kind of is one of his moments of the year where he kind of addresses where the NFL's at, you know, maybe not as highfalutin as a kind of state of the union type thing, but one of those like updates on the shield, so to speak, is during Super Bowl week in his press conference. But this year, they moved it from later in the week when everyone's there, right? Everyone's lathered up Thursday, Friday, which I think is normally when they would have it. They moved it all the way to Monday. They made it invite only and kind of structured the questions it basically went more from a like here's my talking points than answering questions and then the questions and the people were certainly curated into that room it, it it was remarkable and they took a lot of grief for it um a lot of people were like well you don't say anything in those meetings anyway so why are you kind of creating a story by being even extra cautious which i find is an interesting take but um, I'm certainly not surprised that, you know, they hide behind the shield as much as possible, but people were caught off guard to move from Thursday to Monday of Super Bowl week is a choice. Yeah. Why does he have to have a press conference in the first place? Uh, you know, it, it, this is not the president of the United States, you know, talking about declaring war on the enemy or, uh, you know, or, or possibly, you know, talking about how the president of Mexico opened up the border of Israel, but, but that's another story entirely. But point is, if you don't want to do a press conference, don't do a press conference. It's not that important. You know, if you're trying to keep Roger Goodell from stumbling all over himself or whatever the reason is, uh, just don't do it. It's You don't have to. I don't know why. What is the big deal about his press conference? Uh, you, you know, I do. In, in by, by just say, oh, we cancel it this year at the end of story. Uh, you know, like by moving it to Monday, I think it almost created more news than it helped. He could have got out there on like a Thursday and just babbled for 30 minutes and he wouldn't have said anything and no one would have been wiser. Uh, and there's not, you know, there's not a specific story right now that the NFL is trying to hide other than just generally they're trying to convince people that it's okay that they're in Vegas, but there's not like there's a scandal going on that he can't talk about. So I didn't really understand it. And, and Goodell is one of the most trained media savvy people around. His entire job is to defend the shield. 
if you want to summarize it in a sentence, that is his job. So I thought it was weird. And again, I, if you don't want to do it, just cancel it. Nobody would have cared. I think the issue with it is for him is that Goodell, he has been willing. He's, I think most analysis would say that one of his strengths of being that defender of the shield is his willingness to sort of be out front. And he likes it. He likes the spotlight. Like if you contrast him to someone like Paul Tagliabue, wasn't really like, you know, out there. Goodell likes to be out there. He likes to be the face of the league. And I, either I that or he realizes that his job in the modern right. world requires it. And so, yes, he has to play the buffoon sometimes, right? Or be that public punching bag. So and probably a combination of, of both. Um, so that's where I think he loses some face. The big reason people expect these things is because he's usually been out there doing it. He is the one that establishes more press conferences. He's the one that established more public face. So he's I'm the one that saying, established that norm. I'm just saying, uh, he, well, but if it's a problem, just skip it. Would anybody care? Does How many of the NFL watching public even knew that Roger Goodell did a press conference during Super Bowl week? The media knows and the media can go jump in the lake for the most part, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But like the average public person... I bet you he or she would not even realize that Roger Goodell had an annual press conference. I think the NFL fan does. I don't know, really. I mean, you and I are much more savvy than the average person on the street who's just like, you know, a Bears fan or whatever, uh, you know, and they're going to turn the game on at five o'clock on Sunday and that's it. I think you know? sometimes they, well, it depends what news comes. And I don't think this, actually, I might, I can't, I don't know either way. So apologies, but you know, did Goodell also announce like stuff like the Madrid move or did that come out as a press release a couple days I don't later? think that he talked about that in this press conference. Yeah, I don't think so either. So there are there are newsy bits I think that come out of this week, right? It's not a it's not a uh it's not an accident that we get those kinds of, you know, the Pro Football Player Hall of Fame announcements, you know, forward-looking things like new countries that they're going to go to. These things are planned for Super Bowl week. So you could make the argument that, you know, he would be carrying this forward. I think the thing, Steve, to your I think one of the reasons they moved from Thursday to Monday in terms of what might be a news part, uh, and it didn't it didn't make as big a splash as maybe they thought it was or I thought it would or whatever, but the CTE stuff that came out these last couple of weeks. I could see them trying to not have that be a Thursday, Friday narrative going into Super Bowl weekend. And rather if that was, you know, a bit of a drumbeat and, you know, the Jim Trotter stuff came from this press conference. So they do have, you know, there are wounds. So to have everybody recall the Jim Trotter stuff, the Jim Trotter stuff, Jim Trotter is suing the NFL uh, he he was with NFL uh, Network, NFL yeah. Network, and he asked Roger Goodell a question, something to the effect of something about racial discrimination and coaching hiring practices. And then he he got fired. It's now he is suing the NFL for a racial discrimination in employment, you know, an employment lawsuit. So that's a Jim Trotter. So, so are they afraid of that? I mean, Goodell is skilled at at dodging those kind of questions. So. Uh, you know, I don't remember what his answer was for the Trotter question, but he's not going to say anything to anybody, uh, you know, that's of any substance whatsoever. By the way, there's some numbers I wanted to, before I forget, um, this Bleacher Report column had some good numbers. Um, remember the Peacock streaming only playoff game, 23 million viewers. 
which is a ton. Um, the Thursday night football this year from Amazon only averaged 11.86 million, which is 24% increase over last year's, which was not streaming only. Um, the Super Bowl last year, 112.17 million viewers. Um, so, which is, I mean, there's no way you can get 112 million viewers on any streaming platform anywhere. That's just not a thing. 112 million people do not have Peacock or name your streaming service. It, you know, it's, it has to be on a broadcast, free broadcast network only. Yes, I, not only, course. but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they look, and now it's being basically strung to all those streamers. You can, so those, then you're just adding tens of millions of people. Uh, you're not, you're not cutting into, uh, th th this is where the, the cord cutting is, you know, people's reaction to cord cutting is probably becoming an overreaction to still how dominant broadcaster over the airwaves. Well, it's kind of a first world problem, right? There's a lot of people out there in the world, in the United States who are lower income people who their life does not revolve around how many streaming services that they subscribe to. You know, it's, it, that is a problem for people who have money, you know, yeah. or like middle income and up worry about those kind of things. Speaking of uh, seismic shifts uh, in how you would consume TV, which I also don't think was an accident that this news came in and around a uh, Super Bowl frenzy was that, Kind of a massive deal was announced this uh, this past week um, that sees Disney under the corporate header of ESPN, uh, Fox Sports or Fox Company, um, and uh, Warner Discoveries, which you know if you're thinking about the app you'd call Max, um, come together to join their sports licensing rights and build one platform where you could get all that content it will be its singular company it will have its own ceo um but you will get you by buying there what they're calling the skinny bundle so basically a direct-to-consumer bundled sports package of all of the licensing rights that fall under those three companies the only ones that this really excludes which i have some theories about later are Peacock and Paramount, so old school NBC and old school CBS, essentially. Other than that, this is pretty much will be a package that I think for probably between 50 and 75 bucks, with some of the estimates fall in, um, you'll pay and you'll get one-stop shopping for all that content. Not only will you get one-stop shopping, but then that content will then be, as I sort of talked about actually in the last show, is already happening will then also be spread out to wherever you access that so like you can probably get those games at hulu or espn plus too right because you know and they might drive you towards that mothership package but it means that all that content has a central location and spiders out into all those side streams as well this is a pretty massive deal Oh yeah, I think it is. And just so people understand, so what Warner Discovery is is the old time Warner was bought by AT&T and then AT&T divested itself uh of interest in Discovery, which is a Discovery Network or which is Discovery. No, no, Discovery was already independent of yeah, Time I, Warner. No, yeah. I know. But what I'm yeah. saying is they brought Discovery in as an investor and so 
Warner Brothers Discovery is kind of the the remnants, the 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 new creation, the spawn of the AT and T ownership of Time Warner, and then Dis the Discovery Network, which is Discovery Channel and uh, some other channels and stuff. And that is what Warner Brothers Discovery is. And so, um, a couple things. One, this has been advertised as an ESPN product, not Disney. Um, at which and Disney doesn't have any other sports, but ESPN. But I'm saying it's limited to that. But um, I think that carves out ABC is where I was going with that. Uh, you know, so it doesn't say in here all Disney brands. It says ESPN. So that may carve out whatever rights a a ABC has exclusive to ABC. Um, but yeah, so Warner Brothers is going to include TNT. So you've got all of the uh, you know significant amount of the NBA games. I don't know if TBS. Do you know if TBS is under Warner Discovery? It is. Yeah. Okay, so I you've got anything that was Turner. Okay, so and, and because Time Warner was Turner broadcast was was TBS and TNT, um, so you've got between that and in ESPN, you've got all of virtually all of the NBA products. You've got Fox's part of of in the NFL and ESPN's Monday Night Football, um, and. So and you've got and ESPN has some baseball, not a ton. Fox has some baseball, not a ton. So, so you Turner, Turner still has Turner some has some too. baseball, and TBS has got all the Atlanta Braves stuff. So you've got a massive percentage of the live sports, American live sports that people care about under this umbrella. So I do agree with you. I'm not normally one to tout, you know, the latest streaming platform. It's I'm I'm kind of old school in that regard, but I think that this one is a massive seismic shift here that I don't know what NBC and CBS think, but about it, but this is the one everybody's going to have. And this is what Disney wanted, by the way, to make some money somewhere. They needed to do something. Disney's been talking about trying to divest itself or expand the investments into ESPN because they're just, the Disney's losing a truckload of money everywhere. And so they need to make money. So this is a way here for Disney to make some money too. So it's I think this is first major shift. win of Bob Iger's return. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's been all the movies have busted the theme, all of that, but this is a, this is a major deal. So how As, do you crit go ahead. And stuff that we've already talked about does not mean it's off the table. In that these articles, and there's all kinds of articles that we looked at the athletic, we looked at CNBC, I mean, they're all saying the same thing. But um, things like the ESPN, Disney still making a play at taking over the NFL network, those things, those things aren't off the table. In fact, they're probably strengthened by this move. Um, Absolutely, because you have yeah. a bigger, a huge platform. So, and I, my prediction was, member, that we'd see some mergers. This forces Peacock and Paramount to have to consider. Well, I'll go you one further. You said when your predictions was specifically something to do with Warner Discovery. And that Paramount, was your, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, you missed the Paramount, but you were right in the Warner Discovery part of it. So what I wonder here is what is going to be the reaction of NBC and CBS to this? Would they try to get... Uh, could you foresee some sort of merger of their sports interest in, in or they buy in you don't even have to right because like you could just like license their the content deal. over yeah i mean so like the structure is there but if you this reminds me of a lot and it's not what they do anymore but when hulu first came about it was a partnership i think between fox cbs and nbc to license their content to this sort of like sub 
but separate brand so that if you you could go on the usually a day later and you could access network shows from those three networks via Hulu. That's what Hulu was invent. Now it's obviously changed and all that, but it was these big behemoth networks putting a significant foot forward in shared content for new licensing fees. And this is essentially repeating itself right here because none of these networks have to go full, full hog into this, right? They can, you know, it, and it's kind of a low risk, high reward move on their part. And what, you know, we've talked about another thing we've talked about the whole time in the show is how we're really just reinventing cable. But one thing I re realize is we're actually reinventing cable better, even a little bit for the consumer, right? The more like before, if you wanted to get the Uber sports package via your hometown cable company, you still had to have cable, right? You still had to have tons of channels that, to get the sports channels you want. You don't watch anything else. You still had to buy a haul cable. Well, now you can get that behemoth buffet of sports content and not have to feel like you're paying for MTV or CNN or other these things. And there's no cable. There's no wire. It's on your phone. It's, you, you're, you know, it's in the air. It follows you to when you travel. So in a way, yes, they're rebuilding cable, but they're kind of rebuilding cable in a lot of the ways that made cable. They're improving cable, which, you know, and I'm not I'm usually pretty cynical, but like if you think about it. They're kind of fixing the things that people hated about cable. Yeah, to a certain extent. I, I think you, you you alluded to this a second ago. I want to expand on it. But this this merger is a bit of a uh, low-risk, high-reward thing because they're not – they already – all these entities already have the licenses – to broadcast all these things, you know, Time Warner or Warner Discovery has the NBA, you know, Fox already has the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. And all they're really doing is merging those interests together at no extra added cost other than what it, whatever it costs to build out the network. It's uh, re-monetizing it, stuff they've already monetized. Yeah, exactly right. It, you know, because a lot of people are going to have access to ESPN on cable television or they'll have ESPN Plus or whatever now. And, and now they're going to have people buy this too. <laughs> Um, so I think it's a it's a win win. I think this is probably going to be the dominant streaming package in America S rapidly. You know, it depends on the cost point, everything, of course. And we don't. I don't know. Did you see any cost points on this yet? They, I don't the think estimate, the low point. end would be if yeah, a couple uh, analysts, you know, looking at where they think this would go. The low end, the floor is forty five, and the ceiling is seventy five. And there could be versions. It could be you know, there could be all you know tiers within the sports package like who knows but the, and those were just guesses right there that was like monthly or annually annually okay because if that was monthly i mean i would stick to i mean i have cable television i don't need all this right. but but an annual package that's not a lot uh, you know it could be worthwhile even for someone like me i'm an anachronism as chris knows when it comes to broadcast stuff um i, I think it's very smart uh, you know and so then the question to me becomes does this entity bid on sports packages in and of itself right to, well it, setting up its own entity sort of suggests right. maybe yeah that's what i'm saying and so then if you you know then you're really really talking about domination of the sports market at that point then and they talked a little bit you know the long tail when you're working you know which is that theory that when you're you have digital stock you're you don't need to worry about how you're storing things and you can sell things that are down the chain of interest, you know, smaller niche things become a viable market. And the interesting tell in these articles is they talk about 
that there might be smaller acquisitions by this entity. They talked about things like the tennis channel and the golf channel, and then the variety of licensing things. Suddenly this becomes a sticky, you know, you can imagine a place for those kind of like mid-tier and niche sports, but they join this package uh, and that's a real value add and they can make money off things like a tennis channel being part of the package. That'll bring in users. They have their own licensing deals for, you know, where there will be still an audience for, and especially if you're, you know, I, and the articles already hint that they, this might start a bit of a buying spree about some of these small or, you know, mid-tier niche things and add them to the package and and then capture, you know, all kinds of licensing rights. And then you think about what global interest in sports are. That opens up new markets for, you know, sports we don't care about in America. But, you know, you pick up their licensing rights and you can, you know, then that looks like Netflix. It doesn't look like an American broadcast company. Yeah, yeah. Now, but did we, I don't think we gave a story on site on this. Um, so one, there's been a lot of media on this, but one of them that I saw here is CNBC again. ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery to launch sports streaming platform this year by Alex Sherman and Jason Jacob Bramick, I guess, dated the uh, updated last on the seventh of February. So that is that is that. Um, I, I I'm kind of curious as to where the word where the term skinny bundle comes from when it seems to be the opposite of a skinny bundle. <laughs> it seems to be more like a very broad based bundle. I don't get that think- part. I think they're trying to differentiate between two things. One cable where you have to, you know, as I said earlier, even to have the opportunity to buy like a special package, you have to take the whole thing. So they want to differentiate themselves from like, oh, I want ESPN and I got to pay for all of cable. So and I think which I I think it's a play on the Disney bundle, which is Hulu, ESPN plus and Disney Channel. And which, again, is like, well, if you want sports content, suddenly I've got to, you know, deal with Disney princesses or whatever. Right. So I think they're trying to, I think it's just meaning way sports to only is the skinny just part. Sports all. Yeah. Yeah. And block basically for, if you hate all entertainment, but sports and you hate subsidizing that entertainment, now you don't have to. I get, yeah, maybe that's it. Cause I, in my world, it seems big, but that, but that may be, but that may be true. And as a matter of fact, this headline here on the story says the product will be a skinnier bundle of linear networks than a standard cable offering specifically tailored to sports. And so, yeah, obviously that's it. So you're right there. Um, so, okay. Um, Oh, can I just one also yeah, an ahead. article that we looked at was the athletic article, uh, which was called ESPN Fox Warner discovery launch, yada, yada, but a small little mini sports business story that's uh, embedded in the byline is that this was a, a a group article. Richard Deesh is their main sports media writer at The Athletic, was the lead writer. But you will see in the byline one Andrew Marchand, who just earlier this past week jumped from the New York Post to The Athletic. And that's after his old podcast partner, John Olrand, jumped from Sports Business Journal to, oh, what's it called? The, uh, I can't remember, uh, the Puck, Puck News, Puck News. So that's a pretty big deal. So the two biggest sports media business journalists have changed jobs in the last three weeks, and it has killed their very popular podcast because they no longer work for the parent companies that run that podcast. So they, it's kind of funny. But yeah, so Andrew Marchand, if you're following at home, is now at The Athletic. Remember, we did some st- uh, at least one story a couple of years ago about how Athletic was drowning in debt. Remember, uh, you know, they had a well, bunch the, of cap- the New York Times saved them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 
Forget I said that. I forgot about that. I mean, and it doesn't look like the New York Times has really done much with the connection other than they just own it. I haven't seen it. You're in well, New York. They have. Um, one, all of the subscriptions are integrated now. So if you, you, you get the New York Times, the athletic, you get the athletic, the New York Times. So from a business sales packaging they have, and there's actually a good amount of tension locally in New York between the New York Times sports writers, which New York Times sports page has always been a joke. Um, so whatever, to some degree, but apparently there is a good, like there's some weird dividing lines and tensions and, uh, there were, there were internal issues, uh, between like, who is the official sports department, yada, yada. But yeah, it's, it's basically the global sports page for the New York times media conglomerate. Are you telling me that the Hogstye subscription to the athletic is, allowing us to access a rag like the new york times i'm bitterly disappointed in myself we may have to uh, cancel is, our athletics subscription that is exactly what i'm telling you oh that's disappointing wait well, you know that's it we're the hog side is going to get out of the athletic business i refuse to, to support the new york times um no but seriously so um i don't know what else to say about this other than i i, I think it's going to be the biggest sports package in the world by far. I think this is going to dwarf ESPN plus all of it. I think this will be the sports page of record, if you will, for American sports. And I actually think it strengthens those brands, right? Like, because yeah. you're going to, you're still going to want to different if in the bundle, you're still going to be fighting for eyeballs between ESPN and like Fox sports. One, there's still going to be the commercials and the broadcasts. Yeah. So yeah. like it almost makes them in a, it almost puts them a little bit more in direct competition, right? To Because there'll be some, Eventually, if this is successful, there'll be some collapsing of brands within that too, because we don't need 32, you know, sports center type shows on. So there'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what kind of, what competition happens within the circle. I mean, I guess you're right in that it's sort of cable TV for sports, more or less. Yeah. Right. Without, without cables and without paying for Disney princesses and and BH1. Yeah, or Fox shows or, you know, whatever else you may want or not want. Yeah. Yeah. So when do you predict that you will be able to engage with this by kickoff of the 2024 NFL season? If like they were really smart, they would make sales by then. I, I do not. No, I don't think so. I, well, I think they're going to. I think that would be the goal because the NFL kickoff is a huge event obviously and so if you're going to set a marker for that you would want to but they just announced this merger this week uh, or this agreement this week i mean can they build the infrastructure in eight months that's really tough to think that they can so i don't know i would maybe say no yeah that'll be interesting that'll be the i'm sure there's some aggressive timeline that has that as a goal because you just have very few point of sale opportunities like that would give right. you to buy in. That's um, what you would want because you would want to get everybody hooked on it right before the NFL season. So they get the benefit of the entire season and basketball comes right after that. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what YouTube does with their. Well, that's what I was going to say. So YouTube must be beside themselves right now because they just bought the NFL uh, you know, the streaming NFL package. And now you're going to have this other package. It's got a significant number of the games on there. Well, I think that'll be interesting what they do because you will definitely a hundred percent be able to buy this 
skinny bundle from YouTube TV, you know, a hundred percent because YouTube TV is essentially becoming the wireless cable for many households. So you will buy, be able to buy this via YouTube TV, but how do they upsell you then to the NFL package? Do they bundle to some well, degree? Also yeah. like for me, like for the cable subscribers, you know, like I have all these things. I've got Fox Sports, I've got ESPN, I've got TNT and TBS, and Xfinity allows me to stream all those things, you know, on mobile devices. So do I need this? They're going to have to try to figure out how to sell me a way to access these games. And so I, I, the way to do it, would I think, would be able to select, if I want to watch the Chicago Bulls game, can I go in there, drill down, and find the Chicago Bulls game in, in this package? Maybe not now, but that would be, I would think, where you'd want to go. Maybe basically like have a blending of whatever that NBA TV or whatever that package is you know, called, for example. That may be the way to get somebody like me to do it. Because right now, like I don't need this. I can stream all this stuff right now. Yeah, no. Y y yeah, you don't need it. But it'll make it easier for you to cut the cord, though in a couple of years. That yeah. Is, but it would be more of a value if, if in a couple of years they get to a point where I can go into this thing and select whatever team I want. I want to watch the Seattle Mariners today. I and think go to this. There. Yeah. It won't get maybe, there at launch, but it'll get there. Right. That's, and that's, I think that's phase two. Phase one is to get the Pete, the, 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 the cord cutters out there, which I'm an anachronism about this. Like I said, um, there are cable subscribers, but most are not. Um, you get that crowd. And then you work on me and the way you do that is to open up, to be able to select the game I want to watch. Yeah. I, I we think are the I, sports, the sports network of, of records. That's what they want. Yeah. I agree. I think that's where they're going. Yeah. Uh, some pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, well, since this is going to go up, uh, so you may or may not be listening to this before or after the Super Bowl, but you can listen to this before the Super Bowl. Steve, you probably said this on the hot side, but do you have a prediction? Yeah, my prediction, I went around and around with this all all week and everything, and I would love to be able to predict the 49ers because I'm sick and tired of Taylor Swift, and I can't handle another image of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift on a field celebrating, so I'm rooting for the 49ers, but I, at the end of the day, I could not bet against the Chiefs. The Chiefs think it'll be a very, very close game that comes down to the end of the fourth quarter, but the Chiefs have been balling in the playoffs like they did not during the regular season. So I said chiefs 24, 20. I, yeah, I would agree with that. I am the only thing I said this earlier in the show. The only thing is the contrarian view that there's just, that there's too much energy on the chiefs makes me raise my eyebrow, but I'm going to stick to my guns. The Patrick Mahomes is an assassin. He just does not make us mistakes. And he's also performs at high level, obviously, but he doesn't, his, his floor is so much higher than everybody else's because yes. he just does not hurt himself ever. And uh, if you watch, I mean, with most of you probably have, you watch these games. I mean, the 49ers almost puked on themselves two weeks in a row. And I, and I just don't, I think the hidden weapon in this game is actually the Chiefs defense coupled with Mahomes' mistake-free football. I don't think what I watched of the 49ers in the playoffs can overcome that combination. If they do, it's going to be that Christian McCaffrey, that Christian McCaffrey, because the Chiefs' run defense is kind of their uh, the less the least part of their defense, and so if he can get going, then I think that's when the Niners have a chance. 
Yeah, that's a that's a good point, right? And you got to take some front end pressure off Purdy because you yes. can't guarantee you're going to get fourth quarter heroic. Fourth quarter heroics three games in a row from Purdy. It's that's a call. stiff bet. It is. So we right, both well, agree. I, I actually going to start. I'm going to co-sign yours. I think your 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 score spread is a, is pretty good because okay. I agree with the football assessment. So there we go. Enjoy the Super Bowl whenever you're listening to this. Um, I'm sure the next time we talk, there'll be some business stories that emanated from the aftermath. And so we will see you in two weeks.